Hi everyone and welcome to today's um, Une Sur Son event. I'm so excited because Natalia is here and she will talk about a topic that I think all of us know way too little about and worry way too much about. I hope that we can all walk out with knowing more and by having more knowledge actually be able to place our fears in a better spot. So um, I would love to welcome you up here to me. Um, not join me. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, and also Kate, please um, for, for creating this space and food and beverage and everything we need for us and our beauty and um yeah (laughs) so thank you for for sharing your space with us um yeah so i will be here standing with um the recording so everyone can listen to this um wonderful presentation one more time Natalia has been a very, very important um, supporter for my movement from the very, 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 very beginning when it was nothing but, a, but an idea. And I remember us going to Monaco and talk and you were like, yes, do it. And so, yeah, thank you very much for this. Yeah. You're very welcome. And I have to thank you for this opportunity to speak about this topic today because, yeah, the subject is the radiation in daily life. And just to give you a brief story, how did I get to this subject? Why am I talking today about this here? So my professional background is within uh, radiation, is within physics, is within nuclear. And so as I professionally grew up with this, it was for me like as understood as, as you know, the most evident thing that, yeah, of course, of course I measure from times to times my space, my environment, my objects, if I buy something from the flea market, it was to me the most given thing to do. So I, I never even thought that others wouldn't do that because why wouldn't you? You, you <laughs> sure want to know if you are exposed to some high levels, some high doses. And, and then I realized uh, after a while that, yeah, actually they're not. And um, part of it, of course, are also some sad stories from the people because when you know something happens, people always, okay, well, God, why does this happen? Why did this happen? Um, you know, some cases of diseases when, when you then say afterwards you look at this and, and you realize, yeah, you had something at home or you had such a setup that you had just high radiation. So this is now the very worst case. There is also the spectrum when it comes to radiation, which is also on the level of aging, what we all care for, our skin, how we look has to do with radiation. The other level is how we feel, so also we will talk about that, what, what, is, what happens in that spectrum, how can this interfere with our daily life. And ultimately, and sadly, um, I have a special slide on the current day's affairs topic of uh, nuclear warfare. It is awful that uh, this topic has to come up, but I think it is important to talk about this too, to just explain what, what are the real threats and uh, what should you be worried about and what you shouldn't, just like for the whole presentation. So it is really about knowing what you're dealing with. So there will be my slides, will be shown over there. Um, And uh, my dear friend Eva will be helping me to flip through the slides so that I don't have to be talking back and forth. So yeah, today's topic is education and empowerment. Also, as I mentioned professionally, I'm a... uh, Switzerland recognized radon expert. I'm recognized by the health authorities of Switzerland. 
um, and uh, yeah, I'm an energy engineer. So next slide. So what is, in, first of all, what is radiation? When we talk about radiation, I think, you know, it's something what we cannot really imagine. It's nothing we have ever seen. It's nothing we've ever smelled. It's nothing we've ever felt. So probably when I say describe radiation, everyone would give some sort of different answer, which it can be. And so essentially energy or radiation is a process when energy is emitted. When energy is emitted and uh, it can be as a wave or it can be even as a particle. And those have some energy at this point and they inter interact with some tissue or other energy. And through this interaction, we have some effects. They can be damaging, they can be non-damaging, different ways. But what is important to know, so um, it can, it, as mentioned, it can interact with others, and it can be have natural but also man-made sources. So we are surrounded by radiation permanently and all the time. For the ones who stand over there, you maybe can hear the clicks next to you. Mm -hmm. This is the radiation which surrounds us right now. So every click is, is uh, some decay which happens in this meter. This is a normal thing. There is nothing we can do about it. The universe is full of radiation. The question is just how does it interact with us? Sorry, this is in German. Next one. Yeah, so radiation spectrum. When we talk about radiation, there is a lot, as mentioned, and they're all different. They all have different influences on us. And so over here, we have the non-ionizing radiation. And this is also known as an electromagnetic spectrum. Here we have the visible light, a little bit. And here is the ionizing spectrum. And so for my presentation today, I really want to emphasize how this is important. We are inform you that our cash desk closes at 6.30. Thank you for your visit. Now we know. Okay, so, and, and the non-ionizing spectrum is the electromagnetic spectrum. So this is all what has to do with, in our daily life, gadgets. There is also some spectrum here, which, which is, uh, maybe you have uh, sometimes heard this Schumann spectrum, Schumann, Schumann resonance, which is, surrounds the Earth. I, I see, sometimes friends are asking me like, oh my God, I read there is a Schumann resonance happening. What is this? And then this is actually nothing, this is radio waves. So also re radio frequencies, mobile phones, microwaves, everything goes in there. And over here, we can later all have a look at this. I have this gadget, for example, to show where do we have electromagnetic uh, spectrum radiation here in this room? And I can tell you this has quite a, you can, you can see by the lamp, uh, it has some level, of course, this is something that produces a lot electromagnetic uh, radiation through the way it is. And uh, my laptop doesn't. We, we can go through the room later and I'm sure we will find a number of such uh, effects which are measurable to us. So it is, you know, you can quantify it, but what does it do for us? And, and the important statement here is that everything what is below this one black line, including the light which we see, cannot create cell damage. What it can do, it can create some discomfort for us. It can, there are some particular spectra, I'll show them, which can interfere with our human body, with, our, with the flows, because as we know, the nerve system 
works also with electricity, works also with some uh, energies, and not even to speak maybe of other energies, which we cannot even quantify, which we don't know, but yet fill our body. Because keep in mind that most of what we are made of, our human bodies is actually energy. If we would reduce myself, for example, to, the, to only matter and remove all the empty space in my body, I would end up being as small as a head of a needle with the same weight. I wouldn't lose any weight, but I would be just reduced. And, and this is it, and the rest is empty. And this emptiness is filled, like everything in this universe, with some energy. And so although there is not really serious research about it, but like for everything in science, one has to say only because we cannot quantify it or we have not studied it, it doesn't mean that it cannot happen. I can imagine that some people really, if, if uh, they have the same uh, interaction there, same energy frequencies, that it might do something for them in any direction. But so let's keep this in mind. This can be indeed something what we can feel. And then here at this black line, the bad, the really bad radiation starts, and this is the ionizing radiation. And ionizing means that it can ionize the particles, the atomic particles in our cells, and or it is already itself radiation. Radiation in the sense of radiation which destroys our cells, damages our DNA, gives us cancer, and so on and so forth. And this starts with the UV, and this is why we're using sunscreen because already the sun and the UV gives us uh, ionizing radiation. And as we all know, if you don't do it, you get uh, problems with your skin, up to skin cancer, and that's why we need to protect ourselves. And this is what was also always fascinating to me, that this is so self-understood that, yeah, you put sunscreen when you go into the UV light, and, and you check even on your phone sometimes before you go to the beach, what's the UV level, but then somehow the rest, we just stop and, and don't acknowledge. So. Today we will acknowledge it very much. Next slide. So this is the non-ionizing spectrum. And as I was mentioning, I did some research myself on that and uh, to, to just see, well, where do we have some uh, devices uh, which we have or some natural, radi natural electromagnetic radiation even? And where do we have uh, something what we have in our human body, some processes or some waves? And it was interesting, so, so the Schumann resonance, actually, the, the one which one of my friends was asking me about, I realized that, yeah, it has, it has roughly the same, uh, the same beat like, like our heart. One hertz, so one per second, uh, roughly, is, is our heartbeat rate. Also, what I realized that Wi-Fi pulsing, and, and pulsing means this is just the field. This is not the data which is transmitted by Wi-Fi, but this is just the field. So even if you don't use internet, but you have a Wi-Fi router somewhere, it, it emits this. And this correlates with the alpha waves in our brain when we sleep. So it needs to have the same frequency. There's also, we can talk about the energy of it, but at the first line, it needs to have the same frequency to be able to interact and interfere. There we are. Okay, and then we have the um, energy saving lamp, and they may buzz sometimes. I don't know if you ever noticed, but this is like the, at the lowest level of what we can hear. And some, uh, and some things are at the highest level, so sometimes they can give this high tone pitch. Usually by now designers have eliminated it, but this is roughly where they are. And then we go through the different wavelengths, and we end up at the infrared lamp, which we all know 
uh, which is this gives us warmth. So we have it sometimes in the bathroom, even you have an infrared lamp or for chicks when they hatch, we use it because it's the same length wave as what we emit also some infrared because we're also warm. We also emit radiation, by the way. So everyone who, who is very close to each other now is, is giving another person some little dose. Yeah, and also just to mention about 5G, because I know people are always uh, asking themselves about this question, what about 5G? And when you look at this, actually 5G is somewhere in this area. And so if there would be like 6G, it would be infrared, sort of. So actually, I, I realized that if we rather should be looking for something that could interf interfere with our body, it would be in the lower frequency levels, interestingly. Not in the high frequency. Yes, please. I see um, VLAN at two places. Yes. Yes, the one is the pulsing. This is just the field. And the second one is the data, really, the, the transmission of data. So one is that, yeah, this is, this is the difference. So it's really, it doesn't matter if you are transmitting data or no. It's just the sheer fact that there is Wi-Fi is the, the one which could interfere with us. Next. So then the summary, this is now to the electromagnetic spectrum. The summary and what can we do to prevent. So figured out that the rate between 5 to 100 kilohertz, 5 hertz to 100 kilohertz, can be the one which can have a superposition with human body. You can measure those sources at home. They can be identified very well. One can go through the house and measure with different techniques and find out where you might have such hotspots of electromagnetic uh, sources, what is the rate, and so on. You can already do something by, by for example, switching off your Wi-Fi router if you think, mm, maybe I have this strange, I don't sleep well, or you have bad dreams, or I, don't, I feel funny. Try off switching off the Wi-Fi router. Maybe this will do something for you. And yeah, human cells uh, cannot be damaged, but you may have effects on the, maybe your mental state. So in the end of the day, what I've done at home, I've measured my, my home. I checked where, where, because you don't see where are the power lines and, and so on, and sometimes they are sealed, sometimes not. Wild things, if anyone has ever seen an electrician working. Um, and then you can put the furniture accordingly. So like, don't put the bed, for example, where you have the, the power lines, if you are unsure if this is, has an effect on you or not. So. Liebe Kundinnen, liebe Kunden, wir machen Sie gerne darauf aufmerksam, dass, dass unsere Kassen heute ausnahmsweise 18.30 schon schliessen. Danke für Ihren Besuch und kommen Sie gut heim. So, and then the serious topic, which is the ionizing radiation. So remember, this is the one which can, damage, uh, which can damage our body cells. And yeah, this starts with the UV spectrum, which is the sun, which is why we're using the sunscreen. Next one is the alpha. Those are particles. I will speak about each one of them individually later. We have beta. There is x-rays, Röntgen, gamma, and neutrons. They go, they, the, the more up you go, the more energy you are having. So they all have different effects on human bodies. And you can see how you can be shielding them already. So of course, because they have more energy as we go through them, you need also to take more measures to shield yourself from those uh, particular sources of radiation. So I'll start with alpha. Alpha is found in nature. 
It is a noble, usually it is a, it, it is a noble gas particle. It is a helium ion. Uh, and it decays into a series of other radioactive isotopes itself. So this is the, the damaging power of alpha. I think for the human body, it's maybe in, in daily life, as we talk about daily life, this is the most concerned one. This is the one we should be the most concerned about. Because we are, I'm sure, as just statistically, two of us will have a high alpha radiation at home. So what it, what it does, then it stays on the surface. And um, when the alpha emitter is attached to a living cell, it will decay. And it will decay in series, as mentioned. And it will create, again, secondary radiation. And this is what will create mutation in the cells. Especially it is dangerous when it is accumulated in the lungs through the, through the inhalation or stays on the skin surface because it's really such a big particle, it just stays there and it attaches and there you see the principle of how the DNA is damaged. I won't talk about the biology of this, but really just about the physics of radiation. So why am I saying this? Why, why, uh, why am I saying that every second person here might have a high alpha radiation at home? Well, this has to do with the radon concentration, which we have in Switzerland. And Switzerland is a risk area for radon. There is a couple in the world. Uh, because of the Alps or the Jura, there is a lot of emitters of this gas. There's also thorium, but we focus mostly on, on radon in this case. Now you don't see the heat map here. Uh, you can look it up on the Bundesamt für Gesundheit webpage, on the Health Authority webpage. You will find this map as well, and it will tell you what is, the, what is your risk to have uh, these high concentrations in your home. And yeah, and after cancer, uh, after, after smoking, radon is the second most common cause for lung cancer. And in Switzerland, every year more people are dying from radon than from AIDS. And now this is another thing. We all know... Uh, we all learn use a condom, uh, be safe, uh, we're talking about AIDS. Meanwhile, much more people are dying in their homes from radon, not even a mention. That's why we're here. Um, and yeah, and, and statistically, we, we also mentioned the hormesis effect, but, but for radon as an alpha source, there is really no level which would be harmful. Every single isotope you inhale is accumulating in your lungs, will decay, will create radiation, not good. Really, there is every, everything is too much. And uh, yeah, and of course, the more radon you inhale, the higher is your risk. So it, it correlates with each other, absolutely linear. So where do we find it? Why am I talking about this radon? So it, it comes from the ground. And so naturally, it will be happening or occurring mostly in your basement. There we can find very high concentrations of radon. But it can also stick in the attic because it's a gas and it goes up especially for those houses who have been minergy refurbished. I find their radiation value sometimes 10 times higher than before the refurbishment because they're now so sealed, they're so tight, that radiation, that, that radon cannot go out anymore and it just stays inside the house. Hi. Hi. And uh, that's why also attic can be quite a hot spot. It can come through the water. Like for example, in Samedan, in uh, Graubünden, you may know this place. This has such high radiation values in general. So also it cannot take its own water. They have to bring in water from, from other places. They cannot use their own because the radiation values, the radon values are just way too high. So that would mean that when you take a shower, you just get a radon radioactivity bath. And, and so they can't do it. It's, it's just way too high. So just a question. The people become more adapted to it in no. a way because they had to, OK. No, like statistics show very clear 
very clear correlation. The more you inhale, the more you die. That is straight, very straight, uh, in, with this alpha radiation, really. Yeah, but I mean, is, uh, some people are obviously more susceptible to it than others, right, or not? I don't know any statistics of that. It's, it's, of course, some people like the chances to, if you are smoking and inhaling certain dose of radon every day, is one to three. One, so one in three people will get cancer. So, of course, there will be two, two nothing will happen and one will die. So it's, there is always, of course, it's always a matter of probabilistics and chances and stochastics, but here there is no positive effect if you inhale it through the long time. It's actually very bad. So it's, because it stays, it stays for your lifetime in your lungs. It never gets out again, unless maybe you, you I don't know, you cough your lungs out. So if you have a, an office in the basement like me, uh, is it you just have to open the window or are there some filters that will take them out? Yes, that depends on the levels of radon which you would have in your basement. So sometimes it helps to open the window, but sometimes it's not enough. So there would be some, there are techniques. They're not too crazy. There's very standard bow things. So just some construction that you would have some suction vent probably or like a, a second floor or sometimes even you can dig a new uh, well outside of the house and suck up the radon through it that it's like sucked away shortly before it gets in it depends on the house what would makes makes financially most of sense but sometimes it's resolved very easy sometimes with just an extra ventilator and it saves you from inhaling the radon all the time so it's but step one is is really to measure because if you don't measure you don't know what to do and, and you have to measure in winter because uh, in winter you have usually 10 times higher radon concentrations than in summer it also has to do with the weather do we have a high do we have a low how does it work so yeah this is this is really the risks uh, here so the government does no regulation on next slide okay. <laughs> Can I just ask something about the minagery house because the minagery house fresh air comes in all the time yeah well this is this is a very tricky part because where does it come from yeah and then and then it stays in and what stays in and what gets out so it is like i see honestly it, it's really when you have a house before it had energy radon levels were okayish after energy 10 times higher and and really insane like i have one of my i mean there's many stories but like one of the stories which made me really think then too and and trying to go more out and talk about that was actually related to such a energy refurbishment which happened to be in the kindergarten kindergarten in switzerland um i was i i had to sign a paper that i will not speak about this i will i'm not allowed thank you i'm not allowed to share information on that because parents would just freak out if they learn about this uh, which i would like to tell them if i would know them but the point is that in this kindergarten, they, so they, they know, they knew they always had somewhat higher radon levels, but not too crazy. Still, I find it too high. But then they made the refurbishment and they went really up. And so what, what, what is happening there now, and the kindergarten is aware of, there was especially one bathroom where when you change, the, you can calculate the, the personal dose. And so when the child goes to the bathroom, essentially it goes under the Chernobyl sarcophagus and it gets the same radiation level like there. So imagine, I, this is why, I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that 
and parents should know that and and my vision would be that parents just demand it that they demand the kindergartens and schools and just say tell me show me your certificate that you have measured and if you found high radon concentrations you did some something to remove it and there was a second measurement otherwise i don't want my child to be there and they were speaking of like for this kindergarten i think the, the refurbishment would have been like what 20,000, 30,000, not even much money. And then I'm aware of the situation for three years now, but because of the legislative frame, which I'm showing here, it's, it's, they don't have to act. And uh, yeah. Are you talking yeah. about refurbishment or new building new? They would need only to do refurbishment. But here, so, so just what, what do we have there? So first of all, there are numbers to rate on and to understand the numbers in the global and Swiss context. So the World Health Organization recommends a maximum concentration in a room of 100 becquerel. Becquerel means exactly this is one becquerel, one decay. 100 decays per cubic meter. The IAEA, the International Energy Agency, uh, International Atomic Energy Agency recommends a maximum concentration of 20 becquerels per cubic meter. They say, no, it should be less than that. I can tell you I have at home 30. And in Switzerland, the limit is uh, 1,000 uh, for the workplace, uh, or it used to be the limit of 1,000 becquerel per cubic meter. And then just 2018, they said, okay, okay, we will replace it by 300. So many people who even have measured sometimes, it's always good to ask, when was it? Was it, in 2000, was it before or after 2018? Because suddenly this value became different. But then we must imagine that every 100 becquerels, the risks to get cancer relative to the general risk increases by 16%. So I, for myself, would really say I would, I would not like to be in a room permanently where I live, maybe where I work, if it's above 100. This is my personal limit, whereas I think for myself, no, no way. And yeah, and then what happens? So the building owner, or in the case of new buildings, the builder, they must ensure that preventative structural measures are taken in accordance with the state of the art. But the measurement is not mandatory. So they can do something, but they don't have to because they don't have to measure. And even if they measure, so if they come and measure you, you, you fight with your landlord, and then they come and measure and they find out, yeah, it's about 300, then uh, he must take action. It's required, but no time limit is set. So he can take action in 20 years. So if I would be renting something with high levels, I would just move out. Because this discussion, as every day I would be spending in this environment is just one day too much, and to debate and discuss for uh, refurbishing something, I wouldn't do that. And also for measurements, I have to say, I have worked now with some colleagues, and well, you can measure and you can measure. So if I would be a house owner and I would say, ah, oh, no, I don't want to put up with this, I would measure in the summer, on a sunny day, put it somewhere, you know, in a place where I know there is a lot of air motion, and, and so you would find out low values, but you can also measure, you know, where you go for the most critical areas, and then you, you can find differences of like factor 50 even. So always trust, you know, do it for yourself. Do it with the way to find out the worst case for you so that then you can manage it. Also interesting, this graphic on the, on the left side there, which you see this is uh, from the, also from the statistics, is from the Bundesamt für Gesundheit, from the national uh, health authorities. And this is the amount of radiation we're getting every year, just because we're there. And you see radon here, 
is essentially two-thirds. This, this, mean, this means we don't have much radon at home. It's just from the outside, being in the Alps, going for walks. This is two-thirds of our radiation comes from radon. And then we have some medical applications. We have some uh, radon oxides in our own body. We are radioactive to ourselves. Um, there is also the terrestrial radiation, cosmic radiation, and then there is this tiny little bit of 0.1, which is statistically, it is not measured. This is the radiation from artificial sources, which there may be. And so that's why when, when I'm sometimes debating with politicians, uh, it was just yesterday in, in such a debate where, where we were talking about nuclear power in, in Switzerland and so on, and, and then when they talk about radiation, I always tell them, yeah, I'm very happy that we're talking finally about radiation. Please, let's talk, uh, let's talk about two-thirds of our radiation. What is happening? Why, why are we not talking about this? Why are we talking about 0.1 all the time? And the other risk is completely ignored, like in this kindergarten, which, by the way, was also owned by the state. So it's not even a private one. So, yeah. Next slide. So here are some numbers for you. Now I've thrown in this uh, Becquerel's per cubic meter, but nobody has the feel of it. And this is why also there is uh, not much awareness because if, if you hear in the TV, we measured radiation, the dose was one millisievert. Okay, what does it mean, one millisievert? Is it bad, is it nothing, is it deadly? Nobody knows. So to give you some relation to that, 300 Becquerel per cubic meter, this is what is, meant or is said is by the Swiss law okay to have at home. Swiss law says, yes, you're fine if you have this, is 5.1 millisievert in, in year. And why I'm saying millisievert, so sievert is the unit which relates to the damage to human body. So this is what we care for. If you are asking someone for radiation and you are concerned about human body, yourself or someone else, ask them for millisievert or sievert. This is, this is the relevant value for us in the end of the day. And so then it starts to get interesting to me because also when I work with the, with the Swiss Radiation Protection Ordinance, which is the mother of all laws uh, here when it comes to radiation, the dose limit for members of public must not exceed the limit of one millisievert per calendar year. So already we have some discrepancy there, okay. Then it goes ahead. The, for the medical exposure, if a high dose range, uh, which you usually would do, for example, for cancer treatment, or if you do a CT of, of heart vessels, if the patient, uh, if it would exceed five millisievert, then the medical doctor has to write a whole justification why this is still justified because of the risk of the damage to your body, which will be done through this radiation that still, the, the, because it's such a severe case, you still, it's justified to use it. And if you are a researcher also, you cannot have more than uh, five millisievert per year also. So in research, if we're dealing with isotopes, everyone has a um, detector on them. You wear one and this is being checked by, by Zuva and, and God help your employer if you exceeded five millisievert. While at the same time, you can go home and you continue to collect them. And then pregnant women may only be used as occupationally exposed persons if it is induced really, like if they really have to do it, if the dose of one millisievert for the unborn child, but then how do you calculate this, is not exceeded. You, because you cannot measure the fetus, so you measure yourself essentially. Which is also like, okay, so, but then the same pregnant women, woman goes home uh, and yeah. And finally, to also give you then an idea, what does it mean one millisievert? How much is one millisievert? And this is 25 to 50 x-rays of the chest. So that means that, 
Swiss government says that at home, you can get five times so much. So up to 250 x-rays of your chest is legal in Switzerland per as year. a dose per year. So all you can imagine, like every two out of three days, you just go and get a chest x-ray, essentially. This is legal. So, you know, or then, then it can be uh, 10 hours if you stay two meter distance from a Castro cask. So for two weeks, you can go live next to, next to the burned up nuclear fuel. Same dose rate. Uh, this is for one millisievert. So then you will have multiplied by five. Yeah, and then what else do I have? Yeah, an, an annual, an additional annual dose today in Chernobyl. This is also so if you go and live in Chernobyl or if you go and have 300 becquerel per cubic meter at home, it's the same, essentially. So it doesn't matter. And, uh, or it is two weeks in the Fukushima evacuation zone and one millisievert, so that means then 10 weeks in Fukushima evacuation zone equals to a legal dose of radon at home. This is an interesting statistic here I found. There was, this is a measurement in Zurich, now it's not really sharp, which they've done, and you see the values here, which they found like the highest and the lowest in the measurements, and, and these values are like, you, you don't see it, but this is like 2,000, so 3,000, so this is at people's homes. So it, it is really out there, and, and the map shows it, and, and the map talks about this on the webpage, but unfortunately only on the webpage. Next slide. So my message here is essentially really, you have to know your risk. It's very simple. It's a very, it's, it's a, you know, a measurement which can be done. It's no problem. We have all the techniques for it. We have all the measurement devices for it. You have to measure it. And if you find out it's less than 100 becquerel per cubic meter, good for you. You can relax. You know you do not live in Chernobyl right now. But then if I say Swiss law says 300, I say 100, I follow the World Health Organization recommendation. If it's above, you should start thinking about doing. If it's really just 100, yeah, then it's probably enough to just open the window and air before you come into the room and, and air it sometimes. But if you are really somewhere in like the area of, of more than 300, 500, 1,000, you can easily have at home too. I've seen homes up to 5,000. Yeah, then you really should consider hiring someone to, <laughs> to install some uh, ventilation systems for you, and which, again, it can be done. It's not a big deal. But the real risk, the real worst case zone is when you do not know how much radon you have at home. This is, in, in, especially in Switzerland, where we have this high risk per se, it is just an unacceptable state. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be risking it. You should know what is in your home. Yeah. So, as mentioned, what can you do? Perform measurements at critical points in the indoor environment. So there is very clear, good guidance on which spots will you measure. Also, I always recommend if you know you're spending somewhere time, a lot of time every day, also measure those rooms. Or for your children, Kindergarten, school demanded because now it's it's like here. This is something from sorry winter tour. Uh, this is a recent well from 2017 now a newspaper and so they say that in winter tour almost all schools were found to have exceeding radiation rates. Have they done immediate refurbishments? No, but they know that yeah. Ten schools in winter tour are somewhere beyond. 
acceptable levels per law. And, and again, and this is why it's important that parents know that and they ask the school and ask, okay, show me how much becquerel per cubic meter does it have? How much is my child inhaling? And what are you doing for my child to not to be inhaling this? Be proactive about this and be demanding. And then, uh, yeah, air the rooms. If you don't know, just for just in case, air the rooms. And if there is no window or it's not enough, then you have to install some specific ventilation systems. Also, if it's in water, you have to, because I don't know when and how they measure it and, and where they take the water from. So it's always good to also measure there, but there is nothing you can do. You have to inform the water treatment plants that they have to do some measures and they have to do. I know I've been working with some Swiss water treatment plants, some German water treatment plants. And in, uh, in Aachen, actually, in Germany, because also not everybody measures, but I know the Aachen water treatment plant, when you go there into one of the yeah, many facility areas, the, the concentration of radon is so high that essentially if a person works there for one week, this one week is an equivalent to working, have been working for 40 minutes in the control room of Chernobyl power plant during the accident. This is how much they get there in one week. So worker protection is whole other level, but yeah, water treatment plants are very aware that there was some, some are aware and they say, yeah, we're aware and they do something. Others say, I don't want to know. I, I just don't care. I've been going in there my whole life. I don't care. So, because again, you, 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 it's not an immediate effect. Well, the, the levels changed. That before it was maybe got no. Even b some years ago, it was five thousand. Where they I said this is the limit, and now they say it's three hundred. So this is this could have changed absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then also it can the radon can occur in construction build, building construction materials. It can also happen. It's not such a big problem, but it depends if you have some specific granite or marble. It can also emit radon on top of everything. So you can have a source. It is not the ground is fine. But at home, suddenly you measure high radon. Where does it come from? Well, you have a kitchen plate, which is marble or, or granite, and it emits radon all the time. So it's worth, worthwhile measuring. Sorry, which material should you be aware of? What uh, needs the most at home? Again, is the first part. At home, the most emits the, the ground. It's the highest risk. The, the Really the ground, the, the soil, the, 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 the earth is, is the biggest emitter. So really the construction materials rather are secondary. I would not be, yeah, it's interesting to measure if you really have granite, maybe then, but otherwise, no. It's, the problem is really the ground, which, which emits permanently radiation. So for example, like I have still an earthen basin, so I actually see dirt this is a hot candidate yeah because that means that it depends where your house stands as well and so on but the hot candidates are all houses built on the slopes where you have where your wall is touching your back wall is touching the, the soil mm -hmm. your ground is touching the soil also, it means nothing. I have a friend, he, I, he, he told me also, asked him, so what's your basement, as we spoke about this? He says, yeah, but, you know, all concrete, all well sealed, not, not a risk area. But then on top, you know, in some old buildings, they've put some gravel on the ground. Maybe you, you, mm -hmm. some of you had such. Yeah. 
And then we measured this gravel. It was like going crazy. It went immediately. So it, I can tell you the level in his basement was 10,000 becquerel per cubic meter. Well, that sounds exactly the way my basement is constructed, actually, because uh, it's still it's a very old building here in the middle of Zurich. And originally, uh, no apartments had bathrooms. Everything was downstairs. It was all dirt. And now they've just thrown gravel where people walk through, but all the well, it depends where the gravel came from, but some gravel can come from from uh, Morin and so, yeah. so from uh, you know the ice age and and they are, the problem with them is the the higher the surface of something, the more it can emit to all directions, of course. Yeah. And so with gravel, it's especially bad because mm. then you have a big surface which can emit something. They can come from a super radioactive area in Jura or in Graubünden or God knows where from. You have no idea. And then it's just happily emitting uh, alpha all the time. So, yeah, uh, that's why you never know. Please. So how do I get to measure this? Well, probably you yourself don't because you need some special devices. But, uh, well, you can hire people to do so. People like myself who are radon experts or some, some others. Then you get this specific measurement set up at your home. First, it's like an immediate measurement that one can tell roughly, yeah, is, is, does it look like it needs more measurement? And if the first measurement shows already mm, it's kind of high at the first glance, then there will be a, a more serious measurement to really find out where does the radon come through, where is the entrance spot, to, to then to tell you how to seal it exactly, because you don't need to see, be sealing everything. You need to find out where is the source exactly. And then after this measurement, there will be a series of recommendations of what to do now inside the house. So does it count in which story you live, if you have an apartment? An apartment yeah, it does. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, if you're so in the middle. Higher, uh, it's better or? No, it's better in the middle. Uh, middle. middle is best because mm -hmm. again at the roof it can it, it can the go up and if you're separate. yeah yes. and if so your roof is, is tight concentration under the roof it, they can be yeah 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 suddenly you go from the basement and the middle is okay 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 and then upstairs it's it's again uh, quite high so it can happen depends on the building you can never predict this because there can be two buildings next to each other in the same spot and one is okay and the other is a mess so you can't really go much by statistics they they but but in general, I think yeah, apartment in the middle probably uh, is the best. Has the radon level uh, been increasing over the years? Like, is it the same as a thousand years ago or something? Has it to do with more lifestyle in a way? How we use our resources? Well, it has to do with the modern life lifestyle in the sense that now we're building homes, mm -hmm. which are more tight. So if before we, we would be living, you know, the windows, I don't know if in medieval times people could even have windows, probably not. Uh, but now with all our construction and now we're getting things tighter and tighter and they're sealed better and better. So we just get higher radon concentrations in the houses and this is the problem. But for the, the, the radon is as old as the universe because it comes from uranium and uranium has a decay time of, of uh, it's older than the earth essentially. So it was always there. It will always be there. It's just the geo, you know, motions of, of the earth, what comes up, what goes down, what's getting washed out. So it has to do with the earth, with the mostly, but for the human factor, it's just the buildings. Okay. So 
So if I live in a tent? Like, better, no, better. But I mean, like, really yeah, no, then it's better. Yeah. For example, it's like, well, like if you. it's on the ground. Well, I mean, if, if you go, if you go live in the tent in the Alps, then. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. like here somewhere in, in lovely Zurich, I would say, yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is for the theme of radon. So if any one of you is interested to, to measure radon, to learn more, to, just to have a first check. Is it something, describe your situation, where is your house, how does it look like, what are the rooms you may be concerned about, and you can reach out to me anytime if you're interested in any further measurements and so on, because I have a couple of measurement devices uh, which are very specific to measure radar. That's actually quite difficult. It's a whole another topic about me uh, measurement of it, but now we have developed with a former ETH professor who is, was a professor for actually nuclear physics there, we have developed, uh, he mostly developed, I just brought the, got him the idea that we should be looking more into radon, a very nice new detector, which is extremely sensitive to, to radon. So it's, it's now really a pleasure to be working with this device. It's quite great. Yeah. So then after we're done with radon, next one, <laughs> it's beta radiation. Let's go one back. And uh, beta radiation is actually an electron. We all know electrons, and so this is beta radiation. They can be beta positive, they can be beta negative. Beta negative is the normal one, uh, because this is electrons are negatively charged, but beta positive are the, the uh, positrons, so this is antimatter, if we want to go into physics. But, so what is the most common source of it? And this is uh, really cesium, so we know it from the nuclear power plants. It's iodine, it's strontium, so... Also, it can you get beta from the further radon decay chain. So as mentioned, if you inhale radon, it sticks in your lungs, and then it will, in its course, it will emit not only alpha, it will emit also betas and gammas. The whole spectrum you will be having permanently happening in your lungs. Um, mostly beta is the point when we're talking about fallouts or contaminated sites, but also the dust in radon-exposed rooms. And this I also want to mention to the previous topic. So if you have radon there, also it decays in the air all the time. So some people have like potatoes in the basement and then it's covered in some dust. And this dust essentially is a great beta source because it will emit radiation all the time. It's the dust from the fallout of the radon which you had in the basement. So also you can measure when, when people go into radon exposed rooms like this workers and water treatment plant, for them clearly it's not just what they inhale, it's what they touch. And in America, there is a law that the water plant workers, they have to wash their clothes and shower themselves on site because they cannot take it home. As at home, they would contaminate the whole laundry and everything. Okay, I'll go faster. So, but it can be shielded by, by glass pane, aluminum plates, and yeah, and this is what leads to either skin cancer from outside or if we ingested thyroid cancer. And this is why we get these iodine pills and take them sometimes. If, if not sometimes, but if there is a nuclear accident. So it really relates to nuclear accidents mostly or radon follow. Next slide. In daily life, beta around us everywhere. You do not, you have, have, cannot even imagine where it can be. There's a lot in building materials. This is just some little collection of uh, some articles about where it can be found. But yeah, also measure for beta because it can be in old buildings, it can be in this Bauschlacke, what they were sealing with, and so on and so forth. It's, it's nasty. Next slide, we go faster. 
So what, what are we looking for there? Those are contaminated sites. And contaminated sites, uh, here I have a couple. So we had this in Switzerland, 2012, near Biel, at the highway. There was a, uh, they discovered some radioactive material. It was beta, nobody knew, they suddenly found it. Also, there is in Germany, they had to evacuate apartments. The source was on the children's playground. If you would have went there once with the measurement device, it would have given you, maybe somebody did eventually. So it is a, uh, it can be around us. There is also, there were accidents with this and also lost material. So uh, in Europe, the authorities say that around 30,000 radiation sources were lost. In the beginnings of science, when, when people were dealing with radiation, there were no rules how to, what to do with it, how to treat it, where to store it. So they were just lost. And then you find them on playgrounds. And there is no systematic controls. Next slide. Also accidents, speaking of nuclear accidents, we are only familiar with the level seven ones. This is Fukushima and Chernobyl. But just here is a small excerpt of other accidents. So at Chernobyl, there happened already another one sometime before. One was uh, not so long ago in Caterham. We had some in Switzerland. So really, there is more of such accidents than what we believe to know. They're not that severe, but yet they're happening. So it is not just limited to that. Next slide. Yeah, and what can you do? So it's, you should measure once. Measure your house, measure your ground. It's, it's a rather simple measurement, I would say. Can be also carried out. Also measure project, uh, objects with unknown origin. So as I mentioned, if you don't know where it comes from, suspicious, it's not new, measure it. And if you find something, stay away and inform the Federal Office of uh, Public Health to come and take it from you. Next slide. Ultimately, gamma radiation, it's a wave or it's energy. It can go through everything, a side of lead, and it destroys the chemical elements in the body and, and it itself creates then x-rays and beta radiations, and then they damage the DNA. And so, especially leukemia is a, is a the classic cancer from uh, gamma radiation. Next slide. Where do we have gamma? Well, this is a couple of photographs of where you can find gamma at home. Look for the vase of the grandma, look for the old watches, especially what, what makes me very upset is all this energy jewelry. In the best case, it brings you nothing, but in the worst case, they are actually radioactive and they emit gamma. So there, there, are, there are quite a number of cases where they, they found, yeah, it is energy jewelry, it emits gamma. So. Is that because of the material that we're using? Yeah. Yes. So really, Watch out for this stuff, especially antiquities, what you buy in the flea market, this kind of things between the 20s and, and the 60s, roughly. Next slide. Yeah, so measure also, this is like better, it can be done in one go, you measure them together. It's a one-time measurement of objects. As mentioned, pay attention maybe between 1900 to 1970, no energy jewelry. And uh, also, when you go to flea market, I would make a bet if we go together to a flea market here in Zurich, I would find at least three objects which are radioactive. Next slide. I want to just briefly say that we should have a special eye on children. Why? Because like any poison, radioactivity is a poison, it relates to the body mass. So the same amount of the poison for an adult with a higher body mass does just statistically it damages a certain number of cells which for an adult is much easier than for a child. And so there is this interesting correlation that the type of cancer from radiation is leukemia, 
and the second is the brain cancer. Carcinoma is less. Children are the one who have the fastest uh, growth, and so, and, and what is cancer, essentially, if DNA is damaged, and this damaged, mutated cell continues to, to divide itself and grow, this is how cancer propagates. And for children, it goes extremely fast. And this is why if a cell is damaged through radiation, leukemia is the first cancer to have, because it grows exponentially, whereas uh, carcinomes grow linear. And so a carcinome just needs more time to develop. And so even if you had the dose as a child and you didn't get leukemia, you will get as, as a carcinome as an adult. Or the, because the processes are slower in your body, it will rather end up like this. And so there are some very shy and timid first studies about this correlation of leukemia and children, uh, and children having leukemia and um, radiation. But there is not much done. To me, it is quite obvious that, yeah, this is like poison. Children are most receptive to this. Children mostly have leukemia. Leukemia is a typical cancer for radioactivity. So, yeah, it just makes sense to protect, especially the children. And, and so if, if you are having a child, just measure, measure the room, measure wherever it goes to, because it's so easy. And so, and yet such an effect to remove this risk. Next slide. Also, risks through terror. Maybe everyone has heard about dirty bombs. Um, here are some shocking examples how it's being uh, radioactive material is being dealt on the black market, just like drugs or guns. It's being sold. And those are only the cases where it was found. And so what people do is just essentially some dust, which is radioactive, and it can be either spread through the air or it can be put in a normal bomb and spread. And this can happen and when even people transport this stuff like through the airport, this can already leave a trace. So it is good to be aware of this and, and have maybe have even a measurement device with you. Next slide. And then last, my last uh, slide is a special slide. Unfortunately, very sadly, uh, this is the topic of the nuclear warfare, which comes up. And so I want just to quickly explain what is a nuclear bomb, what is a nuclear explosion, and what does it does for us? Because nowadays we have to think about these risks too. And so the impact of a nuclear bomb has essentially four mechanisms. What, what is the damage there? So one is mechanical, the other one is the thermal, then we have the radiational one and we have electromagnetic. And so the mechanical one is just the blast. It is, first of all, it's the overpressure blast, but then what it creates secondary it just creates debris, which are being themselves transported like secondary projectiles through the air, and the damage radius there is up to 10 kilometers, depending on the bomb size. Then the thermal one in the very, in the very hot spot in the very middle, which is a small radius, but it is extreme because in this 500 meters, the temperatures will go up to the temperature of the core of the sun. And this creates such fires that when combined with the mechanical wave, they will just suck the fire into a firestorm out with its wave. So it is really the fire is, is then first being hit by, by things, and then it burns. Actually, the radiological risk is, is mostly the contamination. But there, first of all, the, the, the radius is like one kilometer maybe of the damage. And second, after 48 hours, only 1% of it is left of the radiation. And after two weeks, it's really gone. More or less, I don't want to say it's nothing, but typically if you are somewhere in the core where you have the heat of the sun, uh, you probably are okay with this dose. 
what's the problem? What can be the problem then is, is the secondary fallout. So when it burns, ashes go into the sky. And then if you have rain, then those ashes would be still within 48 hours contaminated and they would rain down. Like in Chernobyl, you have then a secondary contamination coming through it. So, so depends on the weather. And then very underestimated is the electromagnetic. Uh, there we're back to the beginning where we started in our spectrum. And what it will do, this wave, it is a pulse and it can go pretty far. And what it will do, it will destroy or it will take out all the electrical devices. So we'll have such a blackout, which you cannot start up so easily again. So that means like in case of blackout, nothing. No money, no gas, no mobile phones, nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're back to Stone Age, essentially. And this can go up to 1,000 kilometers. And to, after such a destruction, bring things back up, this is quite tough. So, I mean, essentially with the bomb, it's, there is this radius of five kilometers where you have chances to survive, but you should be in the bunker to do so. But outside of that, you should have water. You should have, uh, because you just want your tap won't function anymore, so it, it's gone. You should have uh, anti-burn creams because you might suffer from from the fires from the heat and so on so this is what you really need and then yeah the typical the typical survival kit don't take iodine pills without knowing the dose because you might create more damage than actually use so it's yeah if there is a strong fallout maybe take it but if there was no big rain ashes didn't fall down on you maybe rather rather don't do it and just go to the other direction next slide is uh, the summary of all that. So yeah, we are all surrounded by radioactivity every day as we hear, and there is nothing we can do about it. But every additional dose is a, is a dose too much, which we shouldn't be having. And because we cannot see it, we, we have no way to, to anyhow quantify it. We need to measure it. And uh, you can only do preventative measures if you know what levels of radiation are you experiencing. And so we need a mature and self-determined approach uh, to the subject. We need to take it into our own hands. And so, yeah, I thank you all for, for being today here. And as my uh, big role model, Marie Curie, who was the, the big, not, not just an emancipated woman, and, but she was also, of course, a nuclear and, and chemistry scientist. She said that uh, nothing in life is to be feared. It only is to be understood. And this is what I was, I hope I was uh, able to, do today to give you some better understanding of the topic of radiation so that you're now empowered to, to make your own decisions how you want to go about this topic. So thank you all. Thank you very, very much. I think we, we can have a couple of questions, not too many, because we don't have that much time yeah, left. Sorry. But um, <laughs> I think there were questions already during um, the presentation. So I will um, just ask if, if it's possible to keep the questions brief and um, yeah. interesting because we had a large debate about this at Easter with the family which is how much sort of credence do you lend to all these new devices that are coming out on the market that quote-unquote sort of protect you or block um, electric um, devices like the EMFs. 
0.1% maybe. Yeah. You need, you, because the only way you cannot really block it, you need a counter source. Yeah. And to have a counter source, you need to know exactly what kind of frequency is being emitted to and which you want to eliminate. Yeah. So you need to be able to adjust it to have a uh, constructive interference, which will eliminate the wave. Yeah. For that, you need to be uh, like at least an electrical engineer, probably rather a physicist to, to find the right frequencies and know which one you're eliminating. So no. Yeah, because it's so interesting to see, like, especially like in wellness circles, like this as a market of products has exploded over the past two years. And if you read any of their, or the data particularly that this person, the device that they were using, which when you read about it, it just sounded like some sort of Om Shanti Shanti hippie, like, mm, get the yellow box because the yellow box protects you from this particular wave or get the red box. And you just went, this stuff, no, I don't show me the studies <laughs> no no it's really it's, it's just a waste of money i mean the only thing you can really do is if you if we will look at this device there when we hold it it's the action radius is quite short anyways yeah. for most of the waves so just measure where it is in your home and don't hold your head against it yeah. Easy solution. one question is can i just contact you directly to get you to measure our house <laughs> yes <laughs> And the second one is electro smog. What if you live next or near to the railway or next to the railway? Is that a form of it's a form of electro smog too? What can that do? Yeah, this is this has then more to do less with the frequency yeah. but with the energy because it's such high energy. And there are laws to also, but the laws, you know, as we I know from radon now, the laws are also like you can ask how good is that but i think yeah they can create quite strong fields also one would have to measure i can imagine that they can do something um really what what they would do essentially they would warm up your tissues inside a little bit inside your skin this is what would happen likely uh on the, at least on the level which you can feel but on the level which you cannot feel you may feel this or the other way so then in such cases, if you think you're too close to that, then yeah, you probably need something to, to shield it. Just shielding, not not a box. Then really, some material question. Um, flying long haul flights. Oh yeah, there you're getting a lot of radiation. You so, do. in context of this, how bad is it? I mean, it's like an X-ray, right? We're yeah. doing a long haul flight. So from here to London is an X-ray of is a dental X-ray. From here to New York is a chest x-ray. The children as well? As well. Yeah. Okay. For them, it's of course more. Yeah, so you fly and, and uh, you mostly get uh, beta in the flights. So I recommend, uh, at least I would, I was even thinking of to, to because there, are, there were studies how to shield, at least protect your skin uh, from this beta radiation. And there are some, I was talking to some cancer scientists about this and physicists who have some ideas what what could be good to wear essentially as a protective mask to open skin to that, to, to help the anti-aging effect of it at least. But uh, there will be always some, some, still some spectrum which will go through. So it's a question of how much you fly. And that's why pilots, they have the dose meters. Mm -hmm. They are supervised and controlled by SUVA. And that's why stewardesses or pilots retire usually early because they reach the, the life dose yeah. of radiation. Oh. That's because they retire early because of radiation. But the stewardesses or the flight attendants, sorry, it's a new word, flight attendants, 
they do they do not wear those uh, beepers like the pilots because imagine how we would all freak out on the plane if, if the stewardess is there like and you're not wearing one so it's uh, but yeah be aware when you fly uh, there is uh, of so course more than a few long haul flights a year is not yeah at some point it's it's not so nice yeah, yeah. has there been a study of higher quantities of cancer in pilots and flight attendants no because who would pay for that Imagine if the study will show, yes, there is a higher cancer risk. But it's also not definitive if it's the circadian rhythm as well, because that also plays into them having a... Because it has been indicated that they do have shorter lifespans, but it's not sure whether it's the radiation or this disruption the lifestyle. of the circadian mm -hmm. rhythm which they have, right. which right. is so bad yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, not a great job for longevity. Yeah. Maybe it's a combination of both. I mean, for someone it's exactly. this, for someone it's that. So it's, it's yeah, it's uh, quite an exposed work. Any other questions? You can also write me if you have any questions later or you're wondering about something. I have, uh, well, you're, we're all in the group. Yeah, you can, you can share group. my... Uh, right. Yeah my phone and my email um, address. We also have an Instagram, which you can follow. So I will be posting some posts about this from, from daily life when I find a source or Why some... Why don't you share your Instagram in the group so we have yeah. your, sure. your contact? Perfect. Perfect, we will do so. Yeah, I'll share the yeah. Instagram and my phone number and my email and then whatever channel you prefer then you can be using and yeah, you can follow then and see what I find. Wonderful. Today I took a video. Super. <laughs> And we recorded, as, as mentioned, this um, incredibly interesting talk. So I will do a podcast and upload it and share it also in the group. So you can share it as well. So you have a source of information to share with friends and colleagues and maybe your employers as well. Yeah, so once again, thank you very, very much for taking your time. I know you have to be in Bern tonight, so we really yeah, are... Yeah. Um, mindful of your time and very, very grateful for you taking this time. I'm thank grateful you. for this opportunity. Thank you very much as well. And thank to all of you and yeah, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.